You wanted to see me, Miss Swinton? Have you been hearing about the new government modernization efforts? AI, RPAs, data science. Things are changing at this agency, and people will need new skills. Oh. I'd like you to get some training. Huh. Look at this management concepts catalog. Wow, over 275 courses. That's right, in local classrooms or instructor-led online classes. We still have budget in this fiscal year, so sign up online. Advance your career with courses from Management Concepts. Get a catalog at managementconcepts.com or call 833-578-8466. This podcast may discuss topics graphic in nature and possibly triggering to survivors. We value the safety and well-being of all of our listeners, so please practice personal discretion. Now, enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Paige. And I'm Natalie. We're the hosts of the Murder Diaries podcast. We bonded over tacos and true crime after we matched on Bumble BFF. You know, like any normal millennial using an app to meet new friends. Every Thursday, we upload a new episode. In each episode of the Murder Diaries, we tell true crime one story at a time. One week, it's my turn. And the next week, it's mine. You still think it's in my but I'm walking with the day. Imagine achieving your childhood dream, putting your middle school and high school bullies to shame. That's exactly what Bridget Shield did when she became a model at the age of 19. Unfortunately, Bridget's story doesn't have a happy ending, or else we wouldn't be telling it on the Murder Diaries. Bridget's modeling career came to an end not long after it started when she was viciously gunned down in an Atlanta park. Friends, family, and investigators alike spent years trying to figure out who could have done this and why. While some questions now have answers, there's still some key information that's unknown. This is the story of Bridget Scheel. Bridget grew up in Washington, D.C., raised primarily by her grandparents, Jim and Beverly Toole. She never knew her father, and her mother wasn't a stable fixture in her life growing up. So, Jim and Beverly took her in and raised her as their own. In an interview with Crime Watch Daily, Bridget's grandmother, Beverly, describes her granddaughter as a live wire, as someone who's full of energy, full of life, and so much fun to be around. She even gave an example of Bridget's playful and fun personality saying, quote, if the sun was shining, she wouldn't say the sun is shining. She'd say, look at the day, end quote. I love that. It literally shows her perspective of the world, or at least in that moment on those types of days. Exactly. But Bridget was forced to dim her shining personality as a way to protect herself from school bullies. According to her grandmother, Bridget was, quote, teased unmercifully because of her size, unquote. And she seemed to retreat inward in response to the harassment, growing especially self-conscious of her looks. And that just kills me to hear of any kid being bullied for something that's completely out of their control. And I've seen pictures of Bridget as a little girl, and she was really cute. There's nothing that she should have been made fun of for. Middle school and high school are seriously the worst. It's so heartbreaking to think about what young girls go through. And we all went through it too. You know, you never feel like you're pretty enough, skinny enough, thick enough, whatever it may be. So it's so sad to think about Bridget being bullied for what these bullies were saying was bigger. 
you know, as women, we need to be building each other up. And it's really heartbreaking to hear these stories of girls attacking other girls and not doing what they should be doing, being there for each other. And I think that's part of why we started doing the Mean Girls series. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I feel like it's even more of a serious issue than is let on, right? We have movies about it like, oh, the bully. And it's always just kind of normalized in a way that kids are kind of mean to each other sometimes. And oh, isn't it sad? But it's honestly irritating and it doesn't need to exist. But it gives me a lot of hope when I think about how today some of these teenage girls who, yes, are still enduring some of these challenges have the movement of body positivity and intuitive eating and other, I guess I'll call it healthy mentally type ideals when it comes to weight and the ideas of what the beauty standard should be. And it's too bad that that body positivity movement happened a little too late for this 1997 baby. Bridget was able to maintain good grades throughout freshman year of high school, and she even made honor roll. Unfortunately, the mean girl antics and bullying really took its toll on Bridget. Her studies were hit hard when she started skipping school to avoid her classmates' cruelty towards her. Things then escalated quickly, according to Beverly, who, if you remember, is Bridget's grandmother. And she said that Bridget began making, quote, bad life choices and making her life dangerous, unquote. Beverly mentions that the people Bridget began surrounding herself with were new friends of questionable character and people who had risky behaviors. And she admits that both her and her husband, Bridget's grandfather, were afraid for Bridget's well-being. And that's why when Bridget decided that she'd like to get to know and live with her mother in Atlanta, Georgia, over 600 miles away from the life that she'd always known in Washington, D.C., her grandparents agreed. They thought that this could be a great way to get Bridget away from the rowdy group she'd become acquainted with. And on top of that, it would allow Bridget and their daughter, Bridget's mom, to get to know each other for really the first time in Bridget's young life. Of course, it would have been difficult for them to see her go. But if you think about it, this is a reunification for her mother. So this meant a lot more for the family than just Bridget moving. You're right. And in fact, Beverly refers to this move as a new chance for Bridget. Initially, things were going great for her. She really came into her own as a young woman during this period of her life. She adopted a new look, complete with a bleach blonde shaved hairstyle. And she started dusting off her outgoing personality. Bridget truly began making a name for herself in Atlanta. Her ultimate goal was to become a famous model nationally and then hopefully internationally. And this was a dream that she'd had, like I mentioned at the beginning, at the top of this episode, she had this dream from a young, young age. And so she really saw this as her time to shine and make this dream come true. And what better place to do it than Atlanta, the Hollywood of the South? Bridget started making a name for herself pretty much right away. She was recruited by a modeling agency and even booked a gig appearing in a music video, which was a major moment for her career. It validated her efforts and reinvigorated her goal of becoming a well-known model. And that's not to say her time in Atlanta wasn't without its fair share of drama. 
and heartache. Now, this timeline isn't very clear in the resources, but what is clear is that these events occurred right around the same time as one another. Bridget and her mother had a falling out, and that falling out resulted in Bridget having to leave her mother's home. Some reports say that she was kicked out. Others aren't so clear. But what we do know is that they no longer live together. Bridget was now alone and without a place to live in a new city, or a relatively new city at this point. Bridget once again found herself involved with the wrong crowd and began a romantic relationship with an older man named Kevin Kinney. Now, Kevin Kinney has a lengthy arrest record and prison record. And some say he is or was a member of a quote-unquote underground organization, otherwise known as a gang. In fact, Bridget's grandmother believes Kevin is the one responsible to have influenced Bridget's decision to begin working as a sex worker. Beverly also pointed to several back page ads detailing Bridget's services as evidence. I want to talk about these back page ads for a little bit. Bridget posted these under the names Spice and Nastia. She also included photos of herself in minimal clothing with X-rated messages to prospective clients. Bridget's family and friends didn't learn about any of this until after her untimely murder. But they did know that she was struggling, especially in her volatile relationship with Kevin. Progressive protects more than just your home and car. You could save when you bundle your motorcycles, ATVs, boats, and RVs. Doesn't that sound good? Like the sound of your boat cruising along the intercoastal. And there's the sound of the prop hitting a really big rock. And now the sound of waves, because the engine stopped. But you know what does sound good? You're covered with Progressive. So bundle all your vehicles and home in one place and save with the multi-policy discount. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Not long after getting to know each other, Bridget moved into Kevin's Sandy Springs home and things quickly turned messy. And that's because Kevin was also living with his on-again, off-again girlfriend, Brittany Alaka, and their young son. For our listeners, that's four people and one twisted love triangle in this home. That doesn't sound like a healthy environment for any young adult to be in. Not at all. And to further underscore what you just said, authorities were frequently contacted as a result of this tumultuous living arrangement. One example is the following February 13th, 2016 911 call made by Bridget after Kevin struck her in the face. 911, we see the emergency. Um, I just need to um, place a restraining order on somebody. Were you assaulted in any way? Yes. And who is this person to you? He, he was my boyfriend. Okay, hold on. I don't want you guys to go to his house because he said going to me. he kill me. I'm not sure if you caught the end of that recording because the 911 dispatcher talks over Bridget a bit, but Bridget says, quote, I don't want you guys to go to his house because he said if I call the police, he's going to kill me. 
After this 911 call goes through, Bridget never files a police report. But it's not the last time the police are called to intervene in a domestic dispute at this residence. Two days later, on February 15th, 2016, Bridget and Brittany are arrested for physically fighting each other. The reason? It could be a lot of things. Some have said that it was just too much for the women to handle each other's presence. And another source has come forward and said that Bridget was pregnant. It's worth mentioning that according to Kevin's interview with Crime Watch Daily and Bridget's autopsy report, she was not pregnant at the time of her death. Kevin acknowledges that Bridget terminated the pregnancy and the coroner didn't find Bridget's uterus to be enlarged, which would have been a clear giveaway of pregnancy. So Kevin says that, yes, he believes that she was pregnant at one time with his child, but at the time of her death, she was not pregnant. The frequent 911 calls, the threat of possibly being pregnant in this unhealthy and volatile situation really made Bridget become afraid. In fact, she was so afraid of Kevin and the overall environment that she had asked her grandmother, Beverly, for money to stay at a nearby hotel. And Beverly agreed, wiring money to her granddaughter in hopes that that would keep her safe. Now we're going to fast forward to May 30th, 2016. Things started off normally this evening. Bridget takes a quick trip to the store before plans to meet up with friends for a party or, you know, just to go out and have a good time. There's even clips that she shared of her dancing on Snapchat while out with friends later that night. And at 10.53 p.m., Bridget talks to a friend on the phone and the friend reports to police later on that nothing was out of the ordinary. Later that night, Bridget is seen at a gas station in DeKalb County near Rockbridge Road and Memorial Drive. And according to Atlanta police, there's surveillance footage that captured Bridget's car in the parking lot. A witness later told police that she saw Bridget in the car at the gas station, but Bridget wasn't behind the wheel. Instead, she was in the passenger seat of her own car while a man sat in the driver's seat and another man was in the back seat. The witness went on to say that Bridget looked, quote, extremely nervous. And at the same time that Bridget's car is parked at the gas station, a homeless woman is seen entering the convenience store of the gas station to buy a Sprite. She exits, and later we find out that she gives the Sprite bottle to one of the men in Bridget's car. After that, the vehicle drives around the area and is next seen after midnight headed towards Oakland Park in Southwest Atlanta. Not long after this, at 1.06 a.m., a man who lives nearby calls 911. He reports hearing multiple gunshots. Police respond to the call, but they don't find anything. As a result, they pack up and head back to the regularly scheduled duties. The following morning, May 31st, 2016, around 7 a.m. at that same park, Oakland Park in Southwest Atlanta, Georgia, there's a pack of stray dogs. And these dogs find Bridget Shields' nude body. She's lying face down with her arms outstretched. Her back was riddled with bullet holes and she appeared to have been running for her life. The stray dogs circle Bridget's body when a jogger approaches the scene. 
he shoes the animals away only to discover the horrific scene in front of him. He immediately alerts law enforcement. Atlanta police soon arrive on scene. Officers tape off the perimeter and they begin searching for signs of identification. But they can't find anything near Bridget. No purse, no ID, nothing. Remember, she's found nude and without any personal effects. And because law enforcement can't identify Bridget just yet, and because there weren't any witnesses or cameras in the area, investigators look to her manner of death as a source of information. An autopsy is performed in the following days, and Bridget's wounds give authorities their first real insight into the crime against this still unidentified individual. The coroner reports that the downward angle the bullets entered Bridget suggests that she had been on the ground when she was shot over and over for a total of seven times. The autopsy report goes on to prove that the offender continued to shoot Bridget at point-blank range even after she had received the fatal shot. Vincent Hill, a law enforcement analyst, refers to Bridget's murder as overkill, especially when considering the type of bullets the offender used. These bullets are called radically invasive projectiles, aka RIP bullets. Now, Paige, just to give you and our listeners a picture in your heads of what these bullets are, they're designed to inflict the utmost amount of damage to the target. They literally splinter into thousands of little pieces and destroy the target with the intent to kill. They're literally designed to kill, as if a bullet wasn't already. Bridget's red Ford Focus was found the next day in the 4900 block of Red End Road. And near her car, there was a gate, and behind this gate was her dress and that Sprite bottle that I had just talked to you guys about. Authorities then relay the news to her devastated family and they want answers, just like the investigators. They want to know who did this and why. Her mother, Angela, is quoted as saying, she didn't deserve to die this way. No dignity. When something like this happens, you can't trust anyone. I'm even looking at her friends and her enemies and at everyone, end quote. I put this quote here because I think it's really important for all of us to acknowledge that right away, the investigators are looking at those closest to Bridget. And who comes to mind but Kevin Kinney, her ex-boyfriend who she's had a volatile relationship with, who she may or may not have been pregnant with his child, and even threatened to kill her, according to her 911 call. At this point, of course, this is logical. Aside from even investigators admitting that the men in a murdered woman's life are looked at first, their domestic issues at this point are documented. We have 911 calls. The police have been out to their house numerous times. Of course, it makes sense to look at him. Exactly. And that's why investigators did their due diligence. They went straight to Kevin and Brittany, his baby mama, who we know had a physical altercation with Bridget. They're looking really hard at these two. They're able to clear Brittany, but... Kevin's looking really good for this. And the entire time he's saying, 
I didn't do it. But we've heard that before from people who are guilty. So it's not a surprise that her family, her friends, even investigators are still wondering if he did do it. About a year after Bridget's murder, Kevin finally agrees to his first ever public interview about Bridget's murder. And this is with Crime Watch Daily. And the investigator does not hold back. I'm serious. When I watched this, I was shook because there's a point where Kevin is crying and the interviewer asks point blank, are those real tears? Kevin says, yes, of course they're real tears. The love of my life is dead. I thought I'd still be with her. And the interviewer continues on. He says, but what about all of the infighting? What about your uh, baby mama that you're now together with? And he said that, no, Bridget was the one I was meant to be with. If she still were alive, I would be with her today. He's then questioned about his potential gang affiliations. And Kevin says that he's never heard of a gang except for on history movies. And so as I'm watching this, I'm literally sitting there pulling my hair out thinking, how is this guy not in jail? Overall, there's just so much going on here. It's a lot to unpack. And when the interview ends, Kevin goes on his way, a free man. And then a year later, it happens to be exactly two years to the day that Bridget's body was found, an arrest was made. But it wasn't Kevin Kinney. Instead, 28-year-old Christopher Crisco Spencer, who was already serving a life sentence in prison for one of five killings to which he's been connected, was deemed the offender. My mind is blown. Your mind was blown. My mind was blown. And you're probably asking yourself, how? How did they connect this offender with Bridget after two years? And after that very suspicious interview with Kevin. And I guess this is a point where we re-emphasize what we say a lot of the times. Just because someone looks suspicious doesn't mean they're guilty of the crime. And in that case, it was true for Kevin. Now, let's talk about Christopher. As many of our listeners know, when you're booked into a state prison, you have to submit your DNA to a database. And that's what happened when Christopher was entered into the Macon State Prison. That DNA was then matched to the unidentified male DNA found in Bridget's sexual assault kit. And it was also matched to the Sprite bottle investigators recovered near Bridget's vehicle. Remember the one tossed over the fence near her dress? Okay, so this puts him at both scenes. That's correct. As a result, authorities were able to secure an arrest warrant for Christopher in Bridget's death on May 30th, 2018. But before we get ahead of ourselves and talk about the court proceedings and what was tacked on to Christopher's life sentence, I want to talk about the other people that he killed. Two of the murders Christopher committed and was sentenced to life in prison for happened five months after Bridget's. On October 24th, 2016, he killed Sylvia Watson and her fiance, Samuel White. According to reports 
Sylvia was returning home to the apartment she shared with her fiancé, Samuel, on Tree Mountain Parkway in Stone Mountain. They were approached by Christopher and another man named Vernon Beeman. Both men are members of the Roland 20 street gang. And when they approached Sylvia, they told her to drive to multiple ATMs and withdraw money. Once Sylvia returned to her apartment, Christopher and Vernon forced Sylvia and her fiance Samuel onto the floor face down. They bound their hands and feet with ropes and cords. And the two men shot the couple in the back of the head, execution style. Two weeks later, on November 2nd, 2016, Christopher was arrested and charged for these two murders. Once in custody, Christopher became a suspect in yet more murders. Christopher, along with several other men, faced charges for the 2016 fatal shooting in Clayton County that killed an 11-year-old and a 15-year-old who were mistakenly hit in a gang-related attack. It's all too easy when you're listening or recording a podcast to just talk about this as another part of the story. But when you really break it down, and in a way, sort of recapping as well, we've now gone from the boyfriend possibly did it kind of case to a guy that's in jail has now been linked to the two scenes involved in this case. And now it's been discovered he's murdered four other people. And I think that's one of the takeaways for me with Bridget's case is that one shouldn't be too quick to judge or assume that a particular person has done the crime until all the evidence is in front of them. And just to hear what this man, Christopher, has done, it really opens your eyes to the type of people that are out there in this world. This is a man who killed five people that we know of. And when investigators questioned Christopher about whether or not he knew Bridget from before his encounter with her that night, he said no. So this is a man that's killed five people, strangers, really, just because. He's the kind of person that is in our nightmares at night. The kind of person who makes us have to carry pepper spray around with us when we want to go for a leisurely walk, no matter where we live. What really makes the fact that he killed Bridget scary is the fact that he's never acknowledged why he did it. He hasn't given the family any sort of closure in that regard. In fact, at the press conference for the news of Christopher's arrest for Bridget's murder, Beverly was questioned about how she felt about finally having a name to the man that killed her granddaughter. And she's quoted as saying, it hasn't helped. Maybe if we find out how he got her, it could be a chance encounter. We just don't know. I don't know if it will help at all. Christopher Spencer continues to serve a life in prison for the murders that he's committed. He's tried to appeal these convictions and sentences, but Georgia's high court has upheld them, and thank God that they have. Before we end today's episode, I really want to bring it back to Bridget, because she's the one who matters in this story. It's her story, and I really want to use her as an example of someone who overcame bullying and just mean girl antics 
and made a name for herself. She proved her bullies wrong, and I can only imagine what she would have been able to accomplish had her life not ended so abruptly. There's a quote from Bridget's grandmother, Beverly, and she says, I'd like to just say that we miss her more every day. And with that, we're going to end Bridget's story here. Until our next episode, you know where to find us at the Murder Diaries Podcast.com, at the Murder Diaries Pod on Instagram and TikTok, at the Murder Diaries Pod at gmail.com. If you haven't already, go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps us keep the good content flowing. Your five stars mean everything. And until then, Stay safe. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.